Hey y'all, it's K-Bird Tweets, and this is Peace, Love, and Baseball. on assignment with Peace, Love, and Baseball. We are going to finish up the season the same epic way that we started. Coming to you live from Bush Stadium with none other than Wesley McKinney of Validity and Illinois' dad, Derek Pitzer. Miles Michaelis has completed 200 innings on the season. Congratulations. From start to finish, we were here for you, Miles. His first start of the season, we were here doing the same thing. We were a little bit higher up, but we, we were, were here. We were much, much higher up, but pretty much the same spot. The breeze was a little bit better up there. It was a lot colder that day, too. <laughs> That's true. We had our hoodies and beanies on. Global warming, folks. It's almost 90 degrees here on October 1st. Hello, and welcome back to Peace, Love, and Baseball. I'm your host, Kaverd Tweets, and I have returned to the great north of Illinois, where I currently live, from my pilgrimage to St. Louis for the final two games of the Major League Baseball regular season. It was my husband's first time at Bush Stadium, and we had an amazing day on Saturday. We had so much fun. I want to give a huge shout out to Joe at Cardinals pregame for all his advice on just the best way to see the city and the stuff around the stadium and for hooking us up uh, with the stadium tour. If that is not something you have done, guys, I would highly recommend it. It is really informative and interesting and just super exciting. Uh, We did the Hall of Fame Museum, which was also super cool and something that's just really special and unique about the St. Louis Cardinals organization that they have that and it's so accessible to fans. And then we did the official Cardinals pregame party, which is right by the Hall of Fame Museum for plenty of food and drinks and laughs before the game on Saturday. So the Cardinals had a blowout win 15 to 6 on Saturday to officially eliminate the Reds from postseason contention. So I'm sorry we were not there on Friday night when the Reds won 19 to 2 and and blew out the Cardinals. I simply had we had nothing to do with that. But here's where I have to say thanks Cardinals 2023 season. You are just the gift that I never wanted that keeps on giving because my husband has COVID. Yes, the 2023 St. Louis Cardinals season was so bad that I brought him down to Bush Stadium and it gave him COVID. I can only assume. Fair to say, right? I'm sure that I have it too, but it is not showing itself to me yet. So stay tuned. And I'm sorry if I breathed on you this weekend and you're listening to this. Fortunately, we were in open air, most of us. I mean, what can you do? Such a bummer. And I feel so bad for him because he is really quite sick. But at least we got one full day of good fun in before it all went downhill. 
I mean, the Cardinals couldn't even give us that, right? Couldn't even give us an opening day win. It was just really all downhill from the start, especially in retrospect. But here we are. We made it. It is the first day of the 2023 Major League Baseball postseason on today, Tuesday, October 3rd, when this episode is coming out. And we've got plenty of coverage from Wayno Palooza weekend at Bush Stadium. We celebrated Adam Wainwright's retirement in St. Louis, as well as postseason previews and predictions. But first, I thought I would start today's episode with something that I heard about on another podcast, but apparently, apparently this is from TikTok. I wouldn't know. You tell me. Uh, TikTok where the kids are at. I refuse to have TikTok, but I am going to steal this TikTok trend because it seems like a fun way to open the episode. And, you know, maybe it's a segment that we'll adopt, especially for the off season to kick off episodes. It spoke to me because a handful of people have requested uh, a Kelsey's Favorite Things episode. Uh, Wesley McKinney of Validity does call me the Oprah of baseball podcast. So we will probably make that episode or that like style of episode our gift guide episode this year in a month or so. But this report thing is kind of like a, it's almost like a weekly Kelsey's Favorite Things. So here's what it is. It is the six letters in the word report, and they each stand for a different thing. So the first R is reading, E is eating, P is playing, O is obsession, the second R is recommending, and the T is treat. So I'm going to tell you what I'm reading, what I'm eating, what I'm playing, an obsession, what I'm recommending, and a treat for our report for today. Tuesday, October 3rd. Welcome to the postseason. Okay, so what am I reading? You know, I've gotten back into reading recently, and I I do audiobooks. So I, I hope you count that as reading because <laughs> I do. It, it Like, audio is just my style of learning, and it is the way that I like to consume a lot of things. I mean, hello, here I am doing a podcast. So I am currently listening to the audiobook of Ghost Tamer, by Meredith R. Lyons, who we interviewed on an episode just a few weeks back. And we actually gave one of her her books away. We did a giveaway with it. And I'm about halfway through, and I'm absolutely loving it. And I'm so glad that I had it, you know, recommended by having a connection with her and, and doing that interview, because I think that's the best way to find books to read. And I'm finding more and more that maybe the re- the only reason I don't read or I go through phases where I'm not listening to books is because I like don't have my next recommendation. So here's my next reading recommendation <laughs> for you. And Ghost Tamer is, we talked a lot with her about like what the genre of the book is, because obviously there is like this supernatural aspect to it. And I am someone who's pretty, I like to be pretty rooted in the real world with my entertainment consumption, whether it's books, podcasts, TV shows, movies, whatever, not a big sci-fi gal, but this is very rooted in the real world while still having that really interesting element to it that is really adding to the story that is in the real world. So I'm very into it. I'm really enjoying it. And obviously you can get a physical copy of the book. You can get it on your Kindle or you can do the audiobook, but check it out. I'm really enjoying it and it's like a fun 
Halloween, like spooky season type book, especially if like horror and that kind of stuff is not your thing. Cause it's definitely not like that kind of spooky ghost tamer. Check it. Okay. What am I eating? Well, I'm eating a lot of things before I give you my official eating recommendation. I do want to give a shout out to the Bush stadium employee who gave us free hot dogs and popcorn as we were walking out of the stadium, like piping hot, freshest ballpark hot dogs handed to you after your few beers deep coming out of an emotional game, exciting game. What is better? So we ate our free hot dogs and popcorn. We took pictures with the Paul Goldschmidt bobblehead outside the team store. Great photo op, by the way. But yeah, that was a really pleasant surprise. And I do think Bush Stadium has like elite ballpark hot dogs. Since that's not something I typically eat, I did want to make this a little more focused, a little more honed in on something that I am eating more in my daily life. So your official eating for the report is granola. Granola is making a comeback in my life. And I have tried a few different Trader Joe's granolas specifically, and I am putting it in the cashew yogurt that they sell. So I put the granola in the yogurt, like instead of milk. I like it with milk too. I use oat milk just because that's my jam. But yeah, it's just like, it's a good snack. Like sometimes I do my workout at lunch, but I will have eaten breakfast like too long ago that I need to eat a little something so that I can feel good and fueled for my workout. Have a little granola. Sometimes I want to eat ice cream at night, but I'm like, ice cream doesn't make me feel very good and I don't have any. So I'm going to have some granola. It hits the spot. It tastes really good. I like the texture of it. So get some granola in your life. Okay, playing. I feel like this could go a lot of different ways, right? It could be like a game that you're playing. It could be like songs that you're playing. It could be a podcast that you're playing. But I, I got to give it to you. Right now, these days and all week, I am going to be playing Adam Wainwright's music. Hey, y'all, a song will bring you back and it's time to fly are the songs that have been released on his website. I'm going to link it in the show notes because they were kind enough to have the QR code posted all over the stadium when we were there and he did the postgame concert on Saturday. I thought that was really cool. And the songs are catchy as hell, y'all. I love them. It was really cool that they played them throughout the game. And honestly, so the It's Time to Fly is the one that he wrote about his retirement and being a St. Louis Cardinal. So it's very emotional. It's very special. And it's something that obviously we can all connect to. So just another great gift that he has given us. But they played it behind his video montage pregame. And I mean... Is there anything more iconic than backtracking your own retirement montage? Amazing. Amazing. We didn't have any of that like sappy, dramatic, you know, movie music. It was Adam Wainwright backtracking his own stuff. Check it. All right. My obsession. This has kind of been an ongoing obsession, but I'm just going to come clean because I don't think I've ever talked about it here before. I'm pretty obsessed with looking at homes to buy. And I I understand this is not unique, especially if you are a millennial. I guess it's something like they did an SNL sketch in 2020, actually, I think, 
on it because that's when I realized that it wasn't unique, that I am obsessed with looking at Zillow and Redfin and stuff. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not that interesting, but I am. We are hopefully going to, to buy our first home and move to the area where we want to do that uh, in the next year here. So it's I've, it's really ramped up. It's really out of control. I get emails from Redfin um, for you know the the areas that I'm looking to hopefully buy a home in someday, and I'm obsessed. I send my husband like multiple listings a day. And I always have a lot of thoughts to go along with them. And it's it's just a little, it's a little ridiculous. Oh, the time I would have, the things I could do if I stopped looking at homes to buy. So if you have any like tips or tricks for like the best places to look at homes that are not like Redfin and Zillow, I feel like that's the super mainstream stuff. And I'm probably missing out on some of the better stuff or more realistic stuff. I don't know. The housing market is also absolutely terrible and who knows when it's ever going to get better. So that's kind of part of what I'm like sitting on and reading about and obsessed with too. But you let me know if you have any really good first time homebuyers advice. Recommending is the second R in report. And I'm going to recommend a podcast to you that I have talked about on this podcast before, but it's been a while. And if I'm being honest, this is the podcast that I listen to every day that probably inspired me to start a podcast. And it's weird to say that because this podcast is nothing like that, the podcast that I'm going to tell you about, uh, really, because I am. I do not have the same background at all as David Sampson, who is the former president of the Miami Marlins, who does a daily podcast called Nothing Personal with David Sampson. He does it live on YouTube actually every morning at like 7 a.m. Central Time, so 8 a.m. Eastern. And I listen to it when I start my workday a couple hours later. Uh, I just listen to the podcast version most of the time, but I just, I think he is highly entertaining. I I just think he's like entertaining to listen to the timbre of his voice gets my attention and kind of helps me wake up for the day. But he has such an interesting perspective that we don't hear candid stuff from, right? Like you never hear these front office executives like being candid in the way that he is and just being so straightforward. And that is the thing that I love about him. A lot of people think that he's very polarizing and obviously he has a lot of big opinions I just don't think that he is really that polarizing. I think he's just really straightforward. And and there's nothing wrong with that because there's a way to like be respectful even if you have a strong opinion on something that I don't agree with. So I think he does a good job of demonstrating that. And that's another thing that I like about him. But it's just really unique and interesting insight into the business side of sports. And I know that that's something that a lot of people would rather ignore but I don't really understand that to, to some extent because it really fascinates me. So if it's something that you're just like, I don't want to hear about any of that and I don't want to think about any of that, I get it. I don't get it actually is what I just say. I don't get it. <laughs> but, but fan how you want to fan. Like that doesn't have to be the side of sports that you consume. But it is really interesting. And I think it just helps bring some things to light that you wouldn't think of as a fan. And and for me as a fan, like I want to be as informed as possible. And I like 
hearing the you peek behind the curtain, you know, that kind of stuff and and his perspective. And he's funny. So yeah, check it out. If you haven't listened to it, nothing personal with David Sampson. That's what I'm recommending this week. All right, let's wrap up this report, shall we? The T in report is treat. So many good treats I could tell you about. I I'm a treat person. I really like treating yourself, especially when it's something small that's not super expensive. It can be like a daily thing, but it's not something you have every day. That's why it's a treat, right? But what I mean by daily thing is like it doesn't have to be something you really go out of your way to get or some big lavish experience or expensive thing. Just be like a little little something. Did my laundry, folded my laundry, now get a treat. Incentivize yourself. Even as an adult, I think it's fun. So my treat recommendation for you is uh, pumpkin bread. It is pumpkin season. I love pumpkin. I'm not going to apologize for it. And I did find a really good pumpkin bread recipe that I've made a couple times already in this pumpkin season. So I'll share that in the show notes. But the thing that I did with this pumpkin bread recipe, which first of all is pretty basic, like minimal ingredients. So you don't have to spend a ton, ton of time and money gathering it all up. You may already have everything except for maybe the can of pumpkin. But I, when I make things like this that call for like multiple sticks of butter, let me tell you, I can't do it. I like cannot put that much butter into something because I just know that is so much more fat and butter than I consume on a daily basis that I, it will not make me feel good. And I just, especially visually seeing it, I'm like, wow, can't do it. So I use half applesauce and half butter. So if it calls for like two sticks of butter, I'm going to use, I don't even remember like how many cups <laughs> two sticks of butter is, but let's just say like it calls for two cups of butter. I'm going to use one cup of butter and one cup of applesauce. So just, it's like equal parts applesauce for butter. And I have, th- I do think I've done things in the past where I've used all applesauce, like, and just left out the butter entirely. I do think it's probably important to leave the butter in there for better consistency. That has been my experience. I'm not a master at baking by any means, but that's been my experience. So I would say use half and half. The applesauce also makes it really nice and moist and, you know, applesauce and pumpkin bread, it just like makes sense. It goes together, right? Amazing. Really glad we're on the same page about that. So hit up the show notes if you want to try out my pumpkin bread recipe. It's not mine. I did not create it, but I did make it and I did sub that applesauce for half the butter. So let me know if you try it and if it's a good little treat for you. That wraps up the report for this Tuesday, October 3rd. And it's time to talk about the postseason, baby. Wesley McKinney of Validity, who is your postseason allegiance going to? Who are you looking forward to watching in in October? I'm going to piggyback off you for the National League and root for the Marlins because of Skip Schumacher. But for the American League, I'm going to pull for the O's. Let's go fish. I mean, Brooks Robinson just passed away, so it would be a good like tribute to him to for the O's to win it all this year. That is so true. That's very cool, very poetic. I mean, the Orioles are an amazing story. Pitzer, October 2nd is tomorrow, and we're on to postseason baseball. Who is your postseason allegiance? The Marlins and the Rays. 
The Marlins and the Rays. Ooh, I love the Rays as like a black sheep pick. Is there, do you like watching Randy Rosarena? Do you have any attachment to him with the Rays? He's kind of a stud. He is. He's really fun to watch. The 2023 regular season has officially come to a close and the postseason is set. Some fun facts here as we go into the postseason. Did you know that there are six teams that have never won a World Series? Six current Major League Baseball teams that have never won a World Series. And that is the Rangers, the Padres, Brewers, Mariners, Rockies, and Rays. They have never won a World Series. This year, the Rangers, Brewers, and Rays all have World Series dreams that are very much alive and well as we head into postseason play. So pretty excited for these, I guess, underdogs. I don't know that I would call any of them in terms of like how they've played underdogs this season, but they are in terms of their franchise and kind of their postseason history. Obviously, they've, they've never won a World Series. We'd love to see it. That's history. So the Rangers were initially formed in 1961 as the Washington Senators before they moved to Arlington and they re-debuted as the Rangers in 1972. In 2023, this is our ninth time qualifying for the postseason uh, in over 62 years of play. Seven times they have been a division winner and now twice as a wild card. Yes, the Rangers are a wild card, even though they tied with the Astros. So the Rangers and the Astros finished the season with the exact same record, 90 and 72. But you may have noticed that there were no game 163s because Major League Baseball has instituted a new tiebreaker advantage, and the tiebreaker goes to the team who won the most games in the series matchups of two tied teams. So when the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros played each other this season, the Astros won the majority of those games. So there you go. They get to win the division, and the Rangers are in the wildcard series. The last time the Texas Rangers were in the World Series was, you know it, in 2011 when they lost to the St. Louis Cardinals. So who knows? Maybe this is their year to get back. I hope so because they had such a strong start to the season. They had a little dip there in August and it got kind of scary in mid-September. Like, are they going to pull through? Are they going to get in the postseason? So just glad to see that they got in the postseason because... I think that organization has laid a lot of the groundwork over the years. And yes, they did spend a lot of money, especially on Jacob deGrom. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm not super thrilled to see Max Scherzer. Like, whatever, it's fine. That's not the reason that I want the Rangers to get into the World Series and possibly win a World Series. But good for them overall. They play a lot of team baseball and, and they win as a team. And that's what I like about them. All right, the Brewers were actually initially the Seattle Pilots in 1969, and they relocated to Milwaukee after just one season as the Seattle Pilots. Side note here, the story of how this all went down with the Seattle Pilots then becoming the Brewers and the Mariners eventually coming to fruition in Seattle is really quite interesting. It has some really deep-seated themes and twists and turns, 
And a few months ago, I got to be a guest on an episode of the podcast Opening Stage VGH, which was hosted by my friend Dean Beaver. And he tells the story of how it all happened and how Nintendo is actually still part owner of the Mariners, who the Mariners, by the way, the only team who has never even been to a World Series, haven't been there at all. Anyway, check out that podcast episode. I will link that in the show notes. It's a fascinating piece of baseball history. And Dean does a really great job of finding all the facts and citing all the facts and linking them all together to tell a fun story and then have us baseball nerds kind of interject on it. The Brewers moved from the American League to the National League in 1998. This is something that I always forget that the Brewers used to be in the National League, or I'm sorry, in the American League, because I just simply was not old enough to be paying attention to this yet when it happened. But this will be their ninth trip to the postseason. They have won two American League East Division titles back in the day, and now four NL Central Division titles and three wild cards. The Brewers have only made one appearance in the World Series, and that was in 1982, when they lost it in seven games to none other than the St. Louis Cardinals. So the St. Louis Cardinals aren't around to stop the Rangers and the Brewers in the postseason this year. Maybe they've got a shot. The Rays are the third team that is competing this season that have not yet won a World Series, and they uh, were founded in 1998. So just a baby franchise. They were the Devil Rays at first, but they shortened their name to the Rays in 2008. And that served them well because that is when they made their first of their two trips to the World Series. First was in 2008. The second was in the shortened 2020 season, but they did lose both times. So still looking for that first championship. They did get in with a wild card spot in 2022 into the postseason, but they were eliminated by the Cleveland Guardians in that wild card series. You might recall that the Tampa Bay Rays started the 2023 season by tying the record for longest winning streak to start a season. They won their first 13 games straight. So who's to say this isn't their year? The Rangers and the Rays. Two teams who have never won the World Series will face off. They're going to play each other in the wild card series. So only one will make it past that first round. And then the Brewers also have to play in the wild card series because they had the worst record of the division winners in the National League. So they're going to be playing the Diamondbacks at American Family Field this week. So now that we've given you that little fun fact, little rundown on the teams to keep an eye on for some World Series history. We got to do a postseason preview, right? I know everybody's making their predictions and all that good stuff, but let's just talk about who's playing first and go from there. So there are four wildcard series, the American League wildcard series where the Rays and the Rangers are going to play. They are the four and five seed wildcard winners. There's an American League wildcard series where the Blue Jays and the Minnesota Twins are going to play. So the Blue Jays were the sixth seed, the last wildcard, and they're going to play the American League Central Division winner, the Minnesota Twins. And then in the National League, we've got the Phillies and the Marlins playing each other as the fourth and fifth seed wildcard winners. We've also got the Diamondbacks playing the Brewers, as I just mentioned. The Diamondbacks are the sixth seed, the last wildcard, and the Brewers are, of course, the National League Central Division winner. 
In the American League, the Orioles won the AL East and the Astros won the AL West. And in the NL, the Braves won the NL East and the Dodgers won the NL West. So these four teams have buys to the division series. They do not have to play in the wild card series round, obviously, because they were not wild cards. And that is going to start on Saturday. So coming at you this weekend, we're already into the division series after these wild card series. So here's what I want to do. I am going to give my postseason predictions, but I'm going to give them twice. Yes. I'm going to have a bracket based on my heart and a bracket that is based on my head. And we will see which one is more accurate. I just, the thing, I have a hard time with this because part of me is like, well, I want this team to win. But if I'm like thinking about it as objectively as possible, like, of course, I think this team is going to win. So I won't go into too much detail as to why I am emotionally or mentally tied to one team or the other, but let's put it out there and then we'll revisit it, of course, and see how things play out. So we've got the Rays versus Rangers game. First, my heart is saying that I would like to see the Rangers win because I just have some closer attachment to their players and I've been following them and the work that they've been doing to kind of turn their franchise around in the last few years. But my head says the Rays. Like we talked about, they've just got some things figured out this year and they're always pretty consistent. And, you know, small market team, small revenue team, I wouldn't hate to see that either. Then we've got the Blue Jays and the Twins. My heart and my head are both saying the Blue Jays here. I don't think the Minnesota Twins are particularly a great team, and I know they are the most frustrating in terms of the team that gets into the playoffs by doing the least because of the American League Central. And the American League Central was particularly bad. This season, I mean, the White Sox, who I probably would have told you I thought would win the division, like they were the most underperforming team in terms of what they were predicted to do in all of baseball. But uh, don't worry, the Twins still get in there. And yeah, I just I don't think they're going to make it past that. That Blue Jays lineup is kind of my hope, both emotionally and mentally. Moving on to the Phillies and the Marlins, you know I am all in on the Marlins, so my heart is absolutely saying the Marlins, but my head says the Phillies, especially because the Marlins are having some injury issues, and I just think the Phillies in a three-game series with Wheeler and Nola, they've just got the punch in their, their starting rotation, which obviously the Marlins are missing a little bit right now. But the Marlins have some sneaky good young pitching too, and they have just been so ridiculously resilient all season long that my heart is pulling for them. My head says that Phillies lineup is so good, and they've got, they've absolutely got the pitching to hold it down, especially in a three game series. So that's the one I'm most excited to watch personally. We've got the Diamondbacks and the Brewers. My heart and my head are both saying Brewers here. Though I do think this could be one of the most competitive wildcard series, like in terms of maybe the closest games or even the most exciting to watch because both the Diamondbacks and the Brewers have like their own style of play, particularly this year. And I think they could be pretty well-matched teams, especially in a three-game series. So I am looking forward to keeping my eye on that one as well. But heart and head, going with the Brewers. We're aligned on this one. 
AL Division Series. So we're moving on past the Wild Card Series. Obviously, my heart said it's going to be Rangers versus Orioles, but my head said it will be Rays versus Orioles in the AL Division Series. Either way, the heart and the head have the Orioles to win the Division Series. So regardless of if it's the Rangers or the Rays, I think the Orioles are going to win out there in the Division Series. And they would probably be, if there's an American League team that I'm like, yeah, I would really like to see them do well. Uh, For me, it probably is the Orioles. I love Adley Rutschman. And they're just a great story to follow. Got a lot of young guys with a lot of heart. So we're picking the O's. The other division series in the American League would then, based on my predictions, be the Blue Jays versus the Astros. My heart is saying the Blue Jays. I love Vladdy G, and I I actually really love Bo Bichette even. Uh, Don't tell him. (laughs) But my head says the Astros. I don't have any particular attachment to the Astros players. So, and, and like, I just feel like I'm, I'm not, I don't have like a hard Astros hate, but there is nothing about them that draws me to them. I really like Framber Valdez. Actually, I like watching him pitch. I am very bored of Justin Verlander. I'm like over it. I'm done with it. I'm done following that storyline. And, you know, on the Blue Jays, like I said, I like Vladdy G. I like Bo Bichette. Love George Springer. And we've got Jordan Hicks over there now, too. They also have some some really interesting pitchers to watch while they're not the guys that are making headlines all the time. I don't know. My heart's saying Blue Jays. My heart's pulling for you, Blue Jays. But my head says Astros for that one. All right, NL Division Series. So if my heart is correct, the Marlins are going to be playing the Braves. If my head is correct, the Phillies are going to be playing the Braves. Again, totally split here, mentally and emotionally on this one. My heart wants the Marlins to go all the way and just knock out the Braves in the Division Series. As I'm saying that, I'm sure you're cackling out loud at me because we know how ridiculously good the Braves have been. And I mean, their lineup is just unreal. And the number of players that they have had leading the league in offensive categories at the end of the season is is truly unheard of and truly historic. So obviously my head is saying the Braves, like whether they play the Marlins or the Phillies in the division series, they gonna win is what my brain tells me. So we got the Brewers and the Dodgers. My heart and my head is saying the Brewers, and that's just really because uh, of how notorious the Dodgers are for getting knocked out of the playoffs. And I do think the Brewers just have this cohesion, and I would not be surprised at all to see them go on a run. So we are not torn over that one. Brewers take the division series. Now we're headed to the AL Championship Series. So my heart is saying that the Orioles are going to play the Blue Jays, but my head, of course, is saying that the Orioles are going to play the Astros. Either way, doesn't matter by the time we get there because my heart and my head very much aligned and, again, picking the Orioles to win that division series. Let's see them go all the way. And the NL Championship Series, my heart, you know I'm sticking with the Marlins through this entire thing from an emotional perspective. So my heart says then the Marlins and the Brewers would be playing each other in the NLCS, but my head says the Braves and the Brewers 
will be playing each other in the NLCS. I still cannot get on the same page here mentally and emotionally because my heart says the Marlins are going to do it and will win the NLCS. My head, of course, says uh, the Braves. Yeah, the Braves, Braves are doing it. So that gets us still emotionally and mentally torn, but to the World Series. My heart says that the Marlins and the Orioles are going to play in the World Series. But, you know, my head says the Braves and the Astros are going to relive that 2021 matchup. My heart says the Marlins will win. My head says the Braves will win. But either way, I do think a National League team is going to take the World Series this season. I also had some inquiries about my MVP prediction. And for the World Series, I guess specifically, if the Braves are going to win it, I actually I actually predict Matt Olson. Obviously, Ronald Acuña Jr. is sick. He is amazing. He is the most fun to watch in every single game the Braves play. But there's something that home run and RBI leader for the National League, Matt Olson, is going to bring to the table in this postseason for the Braves that will be even more thrilling. I don't know. That's just, that's what my uh, intuition is telling me. And then if the Marlins win, I want to see Luis Arias and that sexy, sexy batting average take the MVP for the Marlins in the World Series. Whoo! All right, it's out there. I said it. It's done. We'll come back around and we'll check the list. We'll go back through once it's all said and done. But there is my twisting, winding, emotionally unstable postseason predictions. So now we got to do our Wayno Palooza recap to wrap up the episode today because, of course, I got to be there for two of the final three games of the season at Bush Stadium of the Cardinals versus the Cincinnati Reds to celebrate the incredible career of Adam Wainwright. We did an Adam Wainwright deep dive episode on this podcast a month or so ago. So go back and check that out if you want a kind of play-by-play of year-over-year of Adam's career and contributions to the Cardinals and to all of baseball. But I'm going to give you a little rundown of what we experienced this weekend and just some fun insights from getting to actually be there. So Friday, I was not there at the game. We did not get in town until late, late on Friday night, but they did do a t-shirt giveaway, which was so cute. I saw everyone wearing their forever in the Wayno era t-shirts around Ballpark Village and in the stadium all weekend, and they were adorable. I'm so jealous I didn't get one, and that was, it was just so awesome to see everybody wearing those all weekend. Shout out to whoever on the Cardinals team that designed that t-shirt, came up with that giveaway. Good on you. Loved it. Um, also, that w- there was, you know, a blowout game where the Reds <laughs> beat the Cardinals 19-2. to So the upside of that, I guess, the silver lining is that we did get to see Adam Wainwright bat. I was in the car listening on the radio, so I got to listen to John Rooney and Ricky Horton and Matt Polly, who did a great job filling in for Ricky on the radio last week, um, call Adam's uh, first at-bat in, in many years, <laughs> in a couple of years. It actually seems like it's been longer, right, since the pitchers hit, but it's just been a couple of seasons now. And, and so that was really fun. It was a good moment that we got out of a otherwise 
not not too good game for the Cardinals. Saturday, then, of course, was the post-game concert followed by fireworks. And, oh man, I honestly think my favorite part of the concert was, first of all, that he came out, Wayno came out riding in the back of a truck, and they, like, rode him around the stadium in the back of the truck with a spotlight on him. And I was just like, there he is. He's a rock star. I hope he feels like a rock star right now. So I loved that he got to have that moment. And then he got up there and he talked for probably like a full five minutes or so before he actually started singing. And he was very open about saying like, I'm just going to stand here and talk and like settle in a little bit because I'm very nervous. And it was so endearing. And while I will say that like the the sound production value of it was not the best because I can only imagine the extended setup that would have had to take place and how much longer that would have taken for them to actually set up like they do for, you know, a real concert on the field. He was not on the field. He was right underneath the scoreboard, like in center field. Um, I get, is that Freeze's Landing? I don't, you know, like next to Freeze's Landing. So he was up there. Uh, off the field, right above center field. And we couldn't, at least where I was at in the stadium, I couldn't like hear him the best at all times, but obviously he did an amazing job and it was beautiful and and super exciting. And it was just a really cool thing that the Cardinals and, and that Adam Wainwright did that. The fireworks were beautiful. I guess they haven't done a big fireworks show like that in many years. So that was just a really exciting, you know, little exclamation point at the end of the day and and the end of all the festivities. And it was super exciting because obviously it was a big win for the team as well. So great Saturday experience at Bush. Also, my husband and I got to be on the kiss cam. So that was, you know, I've made it. Thank you and good night. I can stop podcasting now because that was peak caper tweets right there. On Sunday, they had the guitar giveaway as well as the pregame ceremony and Wayno's final at bat, his final major league appearance. And okay, Sunday started out weird for me, obviously, because my husband wasn't feeling well. So that just like threw a wrench in all of our plans uh, for, for us to go to the game. But I went to go in probably at like 1230. And there were so many people, this is almost two hours before the game, who were coming out of the stadium with their guitars. And I don't know if they were like taking them back to their cars or their hotels, or if it was just like, I don't want to go in the stadium yet. I want to come out and eat and drink outside of the stadium, but I wanted to make sure that I got a guitar. I hope that was it. But I do know that sometimes people like come and get the giveaway and then leave and especially for this game, for for this game and how special it was and how meaningful it was. As fans, I really hope a lot of people didn't do that, but we did see that the Wayno guitar was already up for sale on eBay for like $89 by the second inning or something ridiculous like that. So whatever, I got my guitar. I got like one of the last ones even going in, you know, almost two hours before the game. So I'm really glad that I got mine. The pregame ceremony was so cool and so special and really well done. John Rooney was the MC. I'm sure, I think they aired it on Bally Sports, so I'm sure most of you got to watch it. And 
there, I mean, there were so many highlights of the pregame ceremony. First of all, it was just really neat to see Wayno's whole family there, the Cardinals Hall of Famers and his former teammates and just people who, you know, he has a great connection with and have made a big impact on his career and on his life. Yachty and Albert were there which I had heard a little birdie told me that they were both going to be there and that Albert was like a for sure thing. And they they were trying to uh, get things worked out so that Yachty could be there. So Albert was planned. Wayno knew that Albert was going to be there. And obviously he had a speech that he gave that was wonderful. And he did not know that Yachty was going to be there. And so there's some really cool footage of him when he sees Yadier Molina come out and and he talks about in a post-game presser about how special that was to him. So amazing, meaningful, emotional moment there. And it was so fun to just see them like next to each other again. It seems like it's been way too long already. So that was a lot of fun for everybody and especially for Adam Wainwright. One of my other favorite parts of the pregame ceremony was Chris Carpenter's speech. The thing that I took away from that and that I hope that everybody takes away from it and and really that I hope everyone takes away from Adam Wainwright as a whole and the way that everyone spoke on him is that character is what matters and the way that Chris Carpenter articulated that go watch it if you missed it because it was really beautiful and he got choked up and thinking about like this stoic you know not super showy Chris Carpenter I was just really surprised by that and it was even more meaningful because It was, you know, that emotional moment from him of someone we don't normally see that kind of emotion from, but he got really choked up sharing how Adam Wainwright has made an impact on him personally. And even how like he was, you know, as a player and a a professional baseball player, a leader for Adam Wainwright, but Adam Wainwright was really a leader in, in terms of friendship and making that impact on him. And it also gave me a lot of unique perspective of how he shared that, you know, Wayno was making an impact on him and he didn't even realize it. And how frequently it is that the people who are the most meaningful are in the moments that are the most meaningful in our lives. We don't really even know it until maybe sometimes years later. So it was pretty cool to hear about. Bill DeWitt Jr. also presented gifts to Wayno. There was a number of them, but I'll mention a few that were notable. The Cardinals made a charitable donation of $100,000, I believe, for a clean water source, which is something that Big League Impact is obviously very involved with and is a big part of Wayno's mission and his charitable work. So that was really cool. It's like, what do you give to someone who is most notable for how they give back to other people. So that was the perfect gift. And I'm glad that they did that. They also gifted him with a special Cardinals Gibson Les Paul guitar. And when they were saying, like it became obvious as they were talking about what the next gift was, that it was going to be a guitar. I said to Wes and Pitts, I said, it better be a Gibson. And then it was a Gibson Les Paul. So that was really cool. And that was just a fun, obviously, creative gift. And the the ways that they made it special were really neat as well. Another artistic and special gift was a painting by Billy D himself. Yes, Bill DeWitt Jr. shared how Adam has inspired him 
to go for it with passions outside of work. And and one of Bill DeWitt Jr.'s passions outside of work is art and painting. So that was really cool that there was a personal connection there in that gift that they presented to Adam Wainwright. And, you know, love him or hate him as the owner's I personally think that it's really cool and to no surprise that Adam Wainwright has maintained such a positive relationship with every level of the Cardinals organization from the stadium workers to his teammates, to the coaches, to all all the managers, to the front office. So it's just another thing that speaks volumes about him as a person. You know I wasn't going to go without talking about the dog. Yeah, Louie, the puppy, Louie Wainwright, who was presented as the final gift to the Wainwright family. So there's been this ongoing conversation for years now that Adam's kids were really excited and wanting to get a dog, but the talk was we're not going to get a dog until after dad retires. And I heard an interview with him just like a week or so ago where he were, he was saying it was probably on a post game presser where he was saying, my kids have this idea that, you know, the second that the final out of the game is made, we're going to go straight and, and pick up the dog. So it's not gonna be exactly like that, but it is in the works. It is going to happen. Well, they did not even have to wait for the final out folks because the Cardinals collaborated with Adam's wife, Jenny to get the family dog and they gifted him a, Logato Romagnolo puppy. Yeah, I looked up the Logato Romagnolo breed. And according to akc.org, this breed is Italy's adorable truffle dog. And they sport a curly coat and lavish facial furnishings. Despite their plush toy looks, these Legati, which is I guess like the shortened term for them. Legati are durable workers of excellent nose who root out truffles, a dainty and pricey delicacy. Mm. This breed is known for woolly curls that cover the body head to tail, crowned by a lavish beard, eyebrows, and whiskers. And Legati stands under 20 inches and weighs no more than 35 pounds. So I thought that was interesting. He's not going to be as big as I thought maybe he would be. But don't be fooled by their teddy bear looks. They are rugged workers of true strength and endurance. The breed's trademark curls feel and behave more like human hair than fur. Weird. But man, that was a cute dog. I absolutely lost my mind as soon as I saw the basket because I knew that there was a puppy in it. I freaked out. I will say... I don't know. I try not to get on my high horse about this because it is what it is. Do what you want. I love all animals regardless, but I was kind of bummed that they didn't like adopt a puppy from a shelter. Uh, especially like Tony La Russa does tons of work with rescue dogs and you know, I'm, I'm a rescue dog gal. All of my animals are rescue animals. But yeah, regardless, I was super excited for them and what an amazing addition to the celebration. Welcome to the family, Louie. One of the other highlights was, of course, Wayno's final major league appearance, which was as a hitter. I mean, how much fun was that? I'm just so glad that we got to see it, came to fruition, 
And Yachty and Albert were up in the broadcast booth with Benji and Polo. And Yachty held up a sign in the window that said, I want to see Wayno Bat. And the rest is history. Admin, get it together. Forty-four thousand plus were on their feet like he hit a freaking home run after Wayno struck out in his final major league appearance. So that was awesome. It was great to see this this final moment of excitement of rallying around him. And even though he struck out, I was so happy that the fan base was just so fully behind him and excited to celebrate him. And that that was the moment that we all have to remember. Downtown St. Louis. Kelsey's just drinking her beer, unfazed by anything that's going on. Listen, it is unfazed. the unfazed. 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 It is the last game of the 2023 season for the St. Louis Cardinals. How can I be phased by literally anything <laughs> at this point? What would have to happen for me to be phased? Well, Wesley McKinney. We're about okay. We didn't find out just now. We're good. No, there's literally nothing. They could lose 14 to 3 right now, and I would not be phased. It is the 2023 St. Louis Cardinals. Lose 14 to 3 because they've got four runs right now, so we're good. Oh, 14 to 4. <laughs> It'd be near impossible, and I still wouldn't be phased. This could be the last pitch of the 2023 season. And I know we're all ready to close the book, but baseball being over, St. Louis Cardinals baseball being over. It's still something to get in our feels about. In one word, what are you most looking forward to about St. Louis Cardinals baseball in 2024? Winning. (laughs) In one word, what are you most looking forward to about St. Louis Cardinals baseball in 2024? Youth. Youth. Youth and winning. We'd 
love you, St. Louis Cardinals, and we love you, baseball, even when it's ugly. All right, we come in first. So start working on your person to get these seats for opening day. Opening day? Okay, I'm on. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Peace, Love, and Baseball. Thanks for rolling with me through the regular season as we transition into the postseason now. Hey, if there are topics, things that you want to talk about, especially in the offseason, please hit me up and let me know at KbirdTweets on Twitter. You can also always shoot me an email, kbirdtweets at gmail.com. And check out the show notes for all the good stuff that we talked about today, as well as making sure that you are following the podcast on whether it's Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify. You can see the followers on Spotify, so it's always really cool to see those subscribers add up. And, you know, rate, review, tell your friends, because we're here and we're going to continue on spreading the good word of peace, love, and baseball. See ya.